The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, if you want to open it up to Matthew chapter 28, we're in a series right now called Why We. And as you're turning to Matthew 28, you can also check in a new song uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Let everybody know that you're here and that flannel is officially okay to wear when it's 60 degrees, right? It gets like below 70 and I'm like, boom, flannel time. Hopefully I don't regret that later as the service goes on under these lights. Matthew 28, we're in a series called Why We, and what we're talking about is why we do what we do, why we exist as a church, and how we carry out the vision that God has given us. Uh, I'll see how, how well you guys have been listening over the last couple of weeks. We exist to help people know God. Okay, let's try it again, and let's do it kind of like we mean it here, okay? We exist to help people know God. That's right, and when we talk about helping people know God, we want to help them step into a relationship with God. And so because that's what we desire to do, that's why we exist, we have five values that we're, we carry out uh, that help us to help people know God. And those five values are we reach the lost, we're about creating worshipers, developing disciples, building the family, and activating difference makers. And this series has been about talking about each one of those things and how they work. Uh, we've talked about reaching the lost. Last week we talked about creating worshipers. If you missed either of those messages, Make sure you go back and listen to those. Today, I want to talk to you about what it means to develop disciples. So in Matthew 28, we have Jesus, and he is giving what's called the Great Commission to his disciples. And understand, it is a, it is a mission that he gives us that we're to carry out, but it is what he says it is. It's a, it's a, or it is what the Bible says it is. It's a co-mission. It's a mission that we're on with God. And he's with us in this mission. He's given us authority to carry out this mission. And he's going to empower us to do it in the right way. And so this is what Jesus says. Here's the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, go. Everybody say, go. Go. Go and make disciples. Everybody say, make disciples. Make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Now, when it says all nations there, that's the Greek word ethnos. And it it means people groups. It means all the different ethnicities. Really, Really, here's what it means. It means everybody. So we're called by Jesus to go and we're to make disciples. Notice it's not to, not to just win over converts, create converts. It's not to just, you know, kind of get people excited about something for a cause. No, no, no. We're to make disciples of all people. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about what it means to develop and make disciples and how we do this. And what we have in scripture is Jesus talks about this a lot because this is what he was calling people to do. He gives us a lot of examples in scripture where he talks about what it means to be a disciple and some of the characteristics that make up what a disciple looks like. So today we're going to look at seven things that, uh, that, that a disciple does. And, and what's interesting, what you're going to see today as we look at these things is, is that these things that, that, that consist of making a disciple, these are things that we do here as a church. What you're going to discover is, is why we do a lot of the things that we do is because of this. We're working to develop disciples to make disciples. Okay, so here's number one. If we're going to be the disciples God's called us to be, here's number one. To be a disciple, I must follow Jesus. Everybody say, follow Jesus. John 12, 26 says this. If you want to be my disciple, this is Jesus talking. If you want to be my disciple, he says, follow me. And you will go where I am going. 
Look at what he goes on to say. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. Okay, so Jesus says that he wants to be our leader. And that uh, in order to be a disciple, you have to allow him to be your leader and you have to follow him. And, and what you're going to see in a lot of these today is there are benefits that come along with doing what God says to do. If you follow him, if you allow him to be the leader of your life, and you choose to follow him, and it's a choice that you have to make, it's not automatic, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you experience the favor of God. The favor of God comes from being a follower of God. If you follow him, you choose to make him your leader, and you follow him, and he's going to lead you to places of favor. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I was taking my son Gus, who's 10 years old, to football practice. And when we got to practice, uh, the coach pulled up beside me in his truck and he said, hey, we're actually going to have a uh, scrimmage tonight against another team. So we're going to go over to this other field over here. And he started giving me directions on how to get over to that field. Now, uh, I'll be honest with you, I quit listening at that point. And, And let me just tell you something. If you're a little bit older in the room today, I want you to understand something, okay? We all have GPSs on our phones these days. Like, have you ever had somebody and they start telling you how to, like, they tell you about a place that you're supposed to go and they start giving you direction. It's like, you're going to make a, you're going to hear a beehive. And when you hear the buzzing, you're going to make a right there. And then there's an old tree sound and you're just going, I just need an address. I have a phone, like, but they continue to give it to you, right? We, we don't need that. We just need, so here, he's telling me like, here's how you're going to get there. I just kind of checked out and I'm just, cause I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to follow him. Like, that's my plan. And so he finishes with his whole thing, and I was like, cool, I'm going to follow you. And so I did. And he, 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 got in his, he was in his truck, and he began to drive, and I, I followed his truck, and I made a left when he made a left, and I, I arrived at the location. Why? Because I was following him. I knew that he was going to take me to the destination I wanted to be at, so I followed him. God has a destination of favor for you. But if you're going to arrive at that destination, you've got to follow him. Like, it would have been stupid if I said, sure, cool, I'll follow you. And then he pulls out and makes a left, and I make a right. Because I'm like, eh, I don't know if he really knows what he's doing here. And, and yet, that's what we do sometimes. See, we get excited about the promises of Scripture, but we don't want to do it the way God wants us to do it. We want to arrive at his promises doing it our way. And listen, it doesn't work that way. If you want to arrive at the promises of God, you've got to choose to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple does. They follow Jesus. And let me remind you that this is about relationship. Jesus says, I love how he says it here. Let's go back to the verse. He says, if you follow me and be my disciple, you'll go where I am going. See, this is the whole idea. Jesus, we're talking about helping people know God. God wants you to know him. And one of the ways you're going to know him is if you're following him, because if you're following him, you're with him and you're going where he's going. And he wants that for you. He wants to be able to lead you and guide you and speak to you and and empower you to be the person he's called you to be. But if you're going to become that, you're going to have to choose to follow him. You're going to have to choose to say, you're the leader, and I'm going to go where you go, and I'm going to do what you're telling me to do. That's what it means to be a disciple. You're going to follow the leader. Here, here's what this boils down to. It's a, it's a word called lordship. You're going to choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life. That means he's the boss. That means you, you lay down your own opinion. You lay down the world's opinion and you choose to follow God and do what he's saying to do and trust him. That's lordship. A lot of times we want to make Jesus the savior of our life. We want to choose to have him save us and we want to choose to have him bail us out of all of our problems. But we want to do things our way and him just come along and save us. But it doesn't work that way. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the 
Lord shall be saved. Notice the order there. He's the Lord and then he's the Savior. If you want Jesus to be your Savior, you first have to make him your Lord. And let me just tell you, you can do this with complete confidence because you know that God has a good plan for you. And when you surrender your life over to him and say, I'm going to do things your way, I'm going to follow you and trust you, you are surrendering yourself to the best life you could ever have. So you can trust God in this. You can choose to be a disciple and follow Jesus. Here's number two. To be a disciple, I must love Jesus supremely. I must love Jesus supremely. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 14, verse 26. He says, you cannot be my disciple. We're talking about being a disciple, right? Unless you love me, notice this word, more. Everybody say more. more. Love me more than you love your father and your mother, your wife and your children, your brothers and your sisters. You cannot follow me unless you love me more than you love your own life. Now here's the idea here. Jesus isn't saying you can't love other things. Because you're going to see as we move along that part of the call of being a disciple is that you love others. So he's not saying you can't love other things. Jesus is not speaking to exclusivity. He's speaking to supremacy. He's saying that nothing else needs to be in a place of love above me. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that he could possibly break your top ten list. That wasn't the goal of Jesus when he went and suffered on the cross for you. He didn't die on the cross so that he could be the runner-up to that thing that you really love. That's not the goal of Jesus. He wants to be numero uno, number one. And listen, that is worship. We talked about this last week, right? Worship is love expressed. And, And when God is first in your life, he is the object of your worship. And that's what he wants to be. He doesn't want you to have any object in your life that you're worshiping above him. Uh, let's see here. Luke or Mark 12, 29 says this. Jesus says, the most important command. So this is the most important commandment out of all of them. Is this, that you must love the Lord your God. That's the top thing. That's more important than anything else. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's worship. That's what God's talking about. I want you to worship me above. You place me in a position above everything else. You're going to worship me first. To be a disciple, I must love Jesus supremely. And so this is why we make such a big deal out of worship here at New Song Church. This is why we teach messages like I taught last week where I talked about the heart of worship and what worship is really all about. It's about expressing love to God in response to the love he's already expressed to us. We're not trying to get love from him. We're trying to give love to him. And he always touches us back when we touch him with, with our love, right? So we love him and he, he loves back. That's why we talk about stuff like that. That's why if you go back and you look at the archival history of messages here at New Song Church over the past three years, you're going to find that I talk about worship all the time. I do messages on worship, but I, I weave worship through tons of messages that we do because to be a disciple, you've got to be a worshiper. And God's got to be the number one object of worship in your life. This is why at New Song Church we do stuff like we did this morning. It's called exhortation in the services. Where, where someone like David this morning, he talked about what it means, what hallelujah means. And the point of that is to encourage you to engage with the heart of God in worship. Because I, we get it. We know that you come to church and you're busy. And you've got stuff going on. And you can hear it back. There's a baby crying. You hear that baby? That's going on at your house. We know some of you are dealing with that this morning. 
And you're dealing with getting dressed and getting your kids dressed and getting ready. And then you get here and, and you're high-fiving and hugging on people and getting into the room and trying to find your seat. And it's crowded. And, it's, you know, and, and if we're not careful, we can kind of go through all this stuff. And then worship is kind of over in the service and we missed out on it. So we, we take a moment and we exhort you and we encourage you. Here's what the Word of God says. Here's what, here's what the Bible says. Who, here's who Jesus is. Now let's engage with the heart of God based on that. It's to, it's to help you to focus your worship the right way. This is why we have playlists on Spotify. We don't just do that to, to be cool or fun or whatever. Like We're trying to encourage you to have a, a quiet time where you worship the Lord. And so we've got playlists on there. One of our playlists on there is the weekend lineup. It's all the songs that we're going to do on the weekend. We update that every week so that you can come into church. And even though we're doing a new song, it's not new to you because you've been listening to it, right? That's why we have a quiet time playlist, so you can listen to songs that, we, that we're singing here and songs that we think will help you in your quiet time. We have playlists for kids, for your children, so you can drive around in your car and you can listen to songs that glorify God and, and honor God because we want to create worshipers. We want to develop disciples, and disciples are people who worship. This is why we have worship nights. Or once a quarter, we come together and we have a special night where we just worship God and we just engage in the heart of God. Why? Because we want to develop disciples... Because Jesus said to do this, and a disciple is someone who loves Jesus supremely as someone who worships God with all they have. Here's number three. To be a disciple, here's where it gets interesting, I must love other disciples. Yee. Like that's where it gets a little bit tougher. It's kind of easy to love God because he's perfect. But, but other people, yeah, not so much, Right? Jesus said it like this, John 13, 35. He said, if, notice, notice again, it says if, it's a choice. If you have love for one another, everybody say one another. One another. Then everybody will know that you are my disciples. One of the marks of a disciple is that they have love for other disciples, for other believers, for other brothers and sisters in the family of God. It's a mark of being a disciple. Now, this one can be tough, right? Sometimes it's hard to love others. Because sometimes others are hard to love. Because we're, we're raised in different homes and we have different opinions. And I'm continually blown away that people have a different opinion than me. Like it <laughs> shocks me constantly. I, I just don't understand why people want to be wrong. I don't get it. But hey, whatever. But we have different opinions. We have different likes. We have different moods, right? We get hungry and we get hangry and we get, we get irritated and... We talk too much. We don't talk enough. We, we say jokes at the wrong time. We say things that we shouldn't say. You ever, you know, you've been there, right? You say that thing and it's just like, oh. And so people can be hard to love because people can sometimes be unlovable. But, and yet Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, you can't just love me. You're talking about Jesus, not me. You all love me. I know that. You've got to... You can't just love Jesus. You've got to love other believers. He says you've got to love other brothers and sisters. What, what, what is he talking about? He's talking about the family of God is what he's talking about. And understand this. The family of God is the church. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy 3.15. It says the family is the church of the living God. See, the church is not a location. It's not a geographical space. It's not a building. This building is an event center. Six out of seven days a week, this is not a church at all. And even today, it, this isn't the church. This is a place that we congregate as the church to have a service together. But understand, you are the church. Turn to the person beside you and say, you're the church. Turn to the other person and say, I'm the church. We're the church. 
We're called to be the church of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, and so here's the problem with the idea. Of, you remember you met that person before that says, man, I, I love Jesus, but I just, I hate the church. I don't like the church. Here's the problem with that. Here's what you're actually saying. I love Jesus. I just don't like other Christians. I don't want to come under the authority of the church that Jesus has established and under a pastor. I don't want to come under that. I want to do things my way. And the problem with that is if, you, if that's your approach, you're not really being a Christian. Because a Christian is a person who is basing their life and modeling their life after Christ. That's what a Christian is. That's what the word Christian means. And, and so if you're modeling your life after Christ, you have to understand something. Christ died for the church. That's what he did. The Bible says this in Ephesians 5.25. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus died for the church. In fact, the Bible talks about how the church is the bride of Christ. Now, think about something with me. Imagine if someone came up to you, you're married, and they came up to you and they said, I, I really love you, but man, I hate your spouse. Like, they just get on my nerves, and I don't like being around them, and they just annoy me. Listen, if you came up to me and told me you had a problem with Sarah and you hated her, we're going to have a problem. The Bible says when, when two people get married, that they become one flesh. They're united. You got a problem with Sarah, you got a problem with me. Listen, you got a problem with church, you got a problem with Jesus because he's united with his church. It's the bride of Christ. The Bible says that, uh, the, that, that the church is the body of Christ. Okay, let me give you another scenario. Imagine somebody came up to you and they said, I really, I really love you, but your body? You know, I could do without it. Like, if we could just chop off your head, and I could just have your head, that would be great. That's weird, isn't it? Like, we know, we understand that if you don't have a body, you're dead. <laughs> and this is what people say, I love Jesus, I just don't love, I don't love his, his body, I don't love his bride. You can't do that and be a Christian. In fact, the Bible says this in 1 John 4.20. It says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister. talking about the family of God. talking about the church. Look at this. That person is a liar. That's the Bible. I love how the Bible is sometimes. So it's saying, if you say, if you're the person that says, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. The Bible says, you lie. You a liar. You don't really love God. You can't love God and say you love Jesus, and yet that's the model of your life can't do it. He says, if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we can't see. What I want you to see is, is it's important that we're united with other believers. That's what Jesus is saying. To be a disciple, you got to love other people. And you can't love other people unless you're connecting with other people. Yeah. And this is why we make such a big deal out of community here at New Song Church. We understand you can't be the disciple God's called you to be if you're not connecting with other people. In order to connect with other people, see, th if this is your only expression of community here at New Song Church, this isn't going to work. You can't love everybody in this room. You can't connect with everybody in this room. You probably can't connect and know everybody in your row, but you can know some people. And God's called you to know some people. He hasn't called you to do life alone. Look back at John 13, 35. It says, if you love, Jesus says, if you love, you have love for one another, then everybody will know that you're my disciple. This is one of the things that points to the fact that you're really a disciple. And that idea there of, one another, that's, that's in the Bible over and over again. 58 times in the Bible, we see the word one another. 
In the New Testament, we're to love one another. We're to help one another. We're to serve one another. We're to greet one another. We're to, to pray for one another. One of the primary activities of the New Testament church is one anothering with one another. And so this is why we want to get you connected here at New Song Church with other people. This is why we make such a big deal out of getting in a group. And we want to get you on a serve team. Because it's through those, those activities where you're connecting with other people on a different level that God can begin to develop the disciple he's called you to be. That, that you can pray with other people and you can love on other people and you can serve other people and you can help other people. This is why we have all the groups that we have here at New Song Church. And we're, why we're always encouraging you, get in a group, get in a group. you got to get in a group. We have groups for, for young adults. We have groups for, for older parents and, and, and young parents. And we've got groups for teenagers and students and college students. And we've, we've got a group for wherever you are in life. We've got a group for you. And if we don't have a group for you, you're called to host a group. Okay. So we got groups for you. This is it. We got men's groups called tribe groups where men can connect with each other, hold each other accountable, help each other, talk about the issues of life together. We've got women's groups called his groups where women can come together, be accountable to each other, lift each other up, speak into each other's lives. This is why we do events like our tribe event that we're doing where you can come and hang out at this tribe retreat and connect with other dudes and, and have fun and, and engage with God. This is why we've got our his women's conference. We do these things. This is why we do what we do because we, we see the importance of community. You need to be connected. This is what Jesus has called us to do. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for others. We're called to be connected. So to be a disciple, i got to follow Jesus. To be a disciple, i got to love Jesus supremely. To be a disciple, i got to love other disciples. Imperfect people, just like me, i got to love on them. And I can't love on them if I'm not connecting with them. In order to connect with them, i got to pursue connection. i got to put myself in opportunities where I can have those kind of connections that need to be made. Here's number four. To be a disciple, I must do what Jesus tells me. This is called obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. John 8, 31. Jesus says, if you continue to. Notice it's continue to. It's not like one time and you're good. It's, a, it's an ongoing. you got to continue Two, look at this, obey my teaching, obey the teachings of Jesus. You are truly my disciple. And here's the benefit of doing it this way. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is Jesus. The truth is the word of God. The Bible is truth. So you come to know Jesus, you come to know the truth and it brings freedom to you. But you're not going to know the truth unless you're abiding in it, obeying what it says to do, living by what the word of God says. One of the major marks of discipleship is obedience. A disciple obeys because a disciple believes. I'm going to take notes. You can write that down this morning. A disciple obeys because a disciple believes. Uh, in fact, you, don't, you only believe the parts of the Bible that you do. Like if you have a hard time believing or doing something in Scripture, it's because you, you're not doing it. Did I say that right? Believing something in Scripture because you're not doing it. Like, okay, l- let me explain this. Like if... Forgiveness. You guys, do we all understand that forgiveness is something that the Bible tells us we should be doing? So if I was to come to you and say, do you believe in forgiveness? You would say, yes, I I believe that I should be forgiving people. And so then I said, well, do you forgive everybody all the time? Well, you know, sometimes I do. Well, then you don't really truly believe it at some level because you don't do it. So somewhere along the lines, you don't truly believe it or you're having a hard time, you're wrestling with it. Uh, Or... 
reaching the lost. Like we believe, we're, we're called to be disciples. We're called to reach the lost. We're called to, to share the message of Jesus Christ. We understand. If I came up to you and I said, do you believe that? You'd probably say, yes, I do. So, so are you doing it? Well, you know, I mean, no, but I, you know. Well, then somewhere along the lines, you don't have a revelation that you should have of that. You don't truly believe it because you're not able to do it. So, so here's what I'm talking about. We're going to come to know the Word of God. And, and, and then through knowing it and loving it, we can get to a place where we can believe it and do it. And here's what, here's what Jesus says. He says, if you continue to obey my teaching. Now, what he's talking about here is the Word of God. The word teaching there is the Greek word logos. It means the sayings of God, the moral precepts given by God, the Word of God. So this is talking about the Bible. So if you obey what the Word of God says, then it says you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. See, obeying what the Word of God says is not just about us trying to get you to act better. It's about helping you to step into the freedom God has for you. That's the beautiful thing about this this obedience to God's Word is it brings freedom in your life. It helps you to step into the freedom that God has for you. When you come to know the Word and love the Word and believe the Word and obey the Word, you experience freedom that the world isn't experiencing. You're able to experience and, and step into freedom from the expectation of others and you're set free from past memories. You're set free from guilt and shame. You're set free from resentment and bad habits. You're set free from the pressures and stresses of this world when you come to know the Word of God. So this is why we make such a big deal out of the Word of God here. This is why, you know, sometimes I'll be out in the lobby and I'll have people come up to me and they'll talk to me and they'll say, man, you, you have a lot of scripture in your messages. And they're not being mean. They're just kind of like, they're surprised by that, which is surprising to me because Here's, here's my thing. Like, going to a church where they, the guy just gets up and reads one verse and then gives you, like, opinion on that? Who cares? Like, my, you understand, my opinion will not set you free. Your opinion will not set you free. If you're trusting... Ooh, this is good. If you're trusting in your opinion... I got it before you, so I'm saying... If you're trusting in your opinion over God's Word you're not going to be free. If you're going to live a free life, you've got to learn to trust God and live by His opinion. His opinion brings freedom. So that's why we major on the Word. That's why we encourage you to read the Word. That's why we encourage you to have a quiet time. That's why when I teach you, I try to break down the Word of God. I show you Greek words, and I try to explain it to you because I'm trying to teach you to be, a, to be someone who digs into the Word of God yourself. I want you to be a disciple, a disciple of someone who loves the Word, who, who, who eats the Word, and who lives by what the Word of God has to say, because there's freedom in that for you. God has freedom for you in His Word. So to be a disciple, i got to do what Jesus tells me to do. i got to get in His Word, and i got to live by it. You be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer, but a doer, living in obedience to what it says. In order to do that, i got to believe it. i got to come to know it. Here's number five. To be a disciple, I must serve others like Jesus i got to serve others like Jesus. Luke 14, verse 27 says this. This is Jesus once again. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus is not talking here about just dealing with tough times. We all know we're going to face some difficult times in this world. And and as Christians, we are called to rise above that stuff and to walk by faith and to, to walk through that stuff and to fight the good fight of faith. But in this verse, really, what Jesus is talking about is about serving, and really he's talking about sacrifice. Because he, he talks about the cross. 
Understand, the cross of Jesus Christ was an instrument through which Jesus died for others. So let me say it like this. He died to self to serve others on the cross. That's what he did. So when Jesus says here, if anyone does not carry his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you're not willing to die to yourself and serve others, you're not truly being a disciple. Now, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this point this week because actually in week five of this series, Activating Difference Makers, I'm going to talk more about that and explain what it means to live a life in service. But here's what I want you to see. To be a disciple, I've got to serve other people like Jesus. Here's what that means. If you're going to be a disciple, you cannot be a me-first person. You've got to place other people above yourself. And you've got to choose to serve other people above yourself. And to stoop down in the model. Remember, we're, we're trying to be Christ-like. We're a disciple. We're sitting under his teaching. We're doing things the way he does things. What do we see in the life of Jesus? He served. He served. He's washing feet. He's dying on a cross, an instrument of complete service to the world around him. To serve the greatest need of this world, our salvation. And, and this idea of service, understand this, it's not about just us trying to get some stuff done around here. Like, we don't want you to serve in kids' classes and be ushers and greeters and do these different things because we're just trying to get stuff done. Yes, that's part of it, but understand this. We understand that in you doing those things, there's something that God's able to do in you. And that's the more important thing. What God wants to do in your heart, what God wants to do in your life, the freedom He wants to bring to you. It comes from being a person who says, I'm going to serve others like Jesus. Here's number six. To be a disciple, I must purpose to grow. Everybody say purpose to grow. I must purpose to grow and produce fruit that glorifies God. John 15, 18, Jesus said, this is my Father's glory. In other words, this brings glory to God. This points people to Jesus. What is that? That you bear much fruit. Now, I think that's awesome. God says, I want you to do well. I want you to bear much, not just some fruit, much fruit. I want you to, have, to be successful. I want people to look at your life and you're, there's so much fruit being produced in your life that people look at you and it, it, it points them to me and the goodness that I've, I've poured out on your life. That's an awesome promise right there. That you bear much fruit, proving yourself to be my disciples. When we bear much fruit, the fruit of your life proves that you're a disciple. In order to, in order to bear fruit, understand this. If, if I've got a tree or a bush or something that produces fruit, if I want it to bear much fruit... I've got to be purposeful in cultivating that fruit and creating an environment where that fruit can grow and be produced. Think about a tree, okay? If a tree is going to produce much fruit, like a tree can grow and produce fruit, but I'm talking about much fruit. I'm talking about a big harvest. There's got to be a lot of things working the right way in that tree's life, right? Like the tree needs what? It needs sunlight. It needs water. It needs good soil that it's planted in. And it needs a, a good flow of, of air around it. And if you want it to produce much fruit, those things have to be working. Now, what's interesting is, you think about those things, all of those things in Scripture point to things that we need to have working in our life. For example, uh, sunlight. A tree needs sunlight. When a tree has sunlight, it produces life in that tree. Even in our bodies, when we have sunlight, it produces vitamin D. It helps our immune system. It helps us heal quicker. It helps. You got a wound. If that wound's exposed to the sunlight, it, it heals up the wound quicker. Little babies get jaundice and we put them in indirect sunlight to help the sunlight has a healing power to it. A sunlight in scripture is a picture of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. 
that Jesus died and rose from the dead for you. Now think about what the gospel represents in our life. It represents healing. It represents healing spirit, soul, and body at every level. Physical healing in our bodies, healing from sin, and, and healing our mind and helping us step into the freedom God has for us. It, because of Jesus, because of the cross, we can, be, we can fight this and, and, and be immune to, to death and to sickness and those things that try to come against us. That's the power of the gospel message. We need to know the gospel message. Know it completely. Know the fullness of what Jesus came to do for you. He didn't just come to save you so someday you can go to heaven. He came to give you fullness of life. Amen. And there's things that you can do because of what Jesus has done, and you need to understand that. So sunlight's important to a tree, and the gospel message is important to you. Uh, another thing a plant needs, it needs water, right? If a plant doesn't have water, if a tree doesn't have water, it's going to dry up. Branches are going to break off. It's not going to produce the fruit it's supposed to. Water is a picture of the Word of God in Scripture. It's a picture of the washing of the water of the Word of God. It refreshes us when we're in the Word and we're studying the Word and we're discovering the promises of God. It refreshes us. It helps us to be who God's called us to be. Another one is, is air. If a, plant, if a tree is going to grow, it has to have the, the right airflow. You know, trees breathe. They breathe in carbon dioxide and they breathe out oxygen. Right? Uh, and, and air is a picture of the Holy Spirit in Scripture. And think about this, okay? A tree breathes in carbon dioxide and it breathes out oxygen. What does oxygen do? It produces life and other things around it, in people. When you breathe in the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, and you're continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit, you're able to produce the fruit of the Spirit. You're able to breathe out the life of God into people around you who need life. This is good stuff. What else does a tree need? It needs a good foundation. It needs good, good soil that it's planted in. And if, it's, if, it's, if the soil is crowded, if there's weeds and, and too many roots and things like that in the soil, it's going to choke out. That's a picture in Scripture of, of, of weeds and thorns and things like that are, are a picture of being choked out from, from what God has for you, the promises of God. Uh, if, if soil is not rested, then soil can't produce life. This is what happened in, in the, during the Great Depression when people were over-farming land. We had the Dust Bowl where we worked the land so much and so hard and so rapidly that the, le- that the dirt actually lost its ability to produce life and these storms came along and it was just a mess. Soil has to be rested. Understand this, you're, you're called to be rested. God wants you resting in the promises of God. God wants you stepping away from the cares of this world and trusting in Him and taking a Sabbath day of rest. Here's what I'm getting at with all this, okay? If you're going to grow and produce fruit, much fruit, all of those things I talked about take intentionality, take purposefulness. You've got to be purposeful. I'm going to be in the Word. You've got to be purposeful that I'm going to live based on the gospel and what Jesus has accomplished for me and step into the fullness of that. I've got to be purposeful to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. I've got to be purposeful to pull away from the cares of this world and rest. Man, this is good stuff. So so here's the thing. You've got to be purposeful to grow. And so this is why we as a church... Remember the series called Why We? This is why we... Do things like in the new year, we're going to be launching our equipping classes. And I'm so excited about our equipping classes. These, are, these classes are a part of really us becoming New Song Church like fully. Like when we decided we wanted to plant this church, this was a part of the vision of this church. To take people and develop them as disciples and take them to deeper levels of their understanding of what God can do. See, I can't cover everything here on Sunday morning all the time. There are some deeper things that I'd like to get into with some of you that you need to grow and develop in that can take place in these classes. 
You can learn more about how to hear the voice of God, be led by the voice of God, how to be led by the Spirit of God, how to, how to relate to other people, how to, how to dig into the Word that will all be available through these classes. Equipping classes on parenting, equipping classes on marriage, amen? amen? Equipping classes on how to hear the voice of God, how to step into freedom. These classes will be available in the new year, and if you're going to develop as a disciple, you need to pursue this kind of growth. We've got to continue to follow after Jesus and pursue the growth that he has for us. To be a disciple, I must purpose to grow. It's not going to happen automatically. I've got a purpose to grow so that I can produce fruit, and the fruit of my life is going to glorify God. Here's number seven. To be a disciple, I must pass on the good news of Jesus. Matthew 4, verse 20. Jesus sees a couple of men, and he calls them to be disciples. He invites them to be a part of what he's doing. And he says this. He says, come, be my disciple. And notice, here's what's going to happen. And I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they went with him. And when Jesus said this to his disciples, here's what he's really saying. He's saying, I want you to be my disciple, and I'm going to show you how to change lives. You're going to spend time with me. You're going to be influenced by me. You're going to see what it means to have a relationship with me. And because of that, you're going to want other people to step into that. And when they do, it's going to change their life. And it's going to actually help people step into heaven. That's what being a disciple is about. That's what this part of it is about. Fishing for men is bringing people from the reality of death, hell, and destruction into the reality of the kingdom of God and the promise of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so... Here's, here's the question for you this morning, okay? Are you fishing? Are you fishing for people? Let me say it like this. Is there a chance that anyone will go to heaven because of you? I think that's a question we really need to wrestle with. Is there a chance that anyone in my world has the chance that's currently not going to heaven, could go to heaven because of my influence in their life? If not, then you're not fishing if you're not fishing, you're not being a disciple. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, not try- I'm just telling you, this is the reality that we live in. We've got the gospel. We've got the good news. We've got the answer. You know, we, we know that good news is meant to be shared, right? I mean, we, we know this. It's natural. Like we, what happens? Somebody gets pregnant. What do they do? They get on social media. They call their friends. They let them know, we're pregnant. It's good news. We want to celebrate. They find out what it's going to be. You know, you pop the balloon and it's pink or it's blue, whatever. Like we celebrate. Good news. Our kid does good in, in school. We celebrate it. Our, our, our kid does good on their sports team. We celebrate it. We get a new job. We, we tell other people about it. It's good news. We've got to share this good news with somebody. I've got to tell somebody what's going on. Yeah, I mean, have you been there before? Like something good happens in your life and you're just like, oh, I've got to tell somebody about this. Understand as Christians, we don't just have some good news in Jesus. We have the good news in Jesus. It's the answer to the world. The world is infected with death. And we have life. Think about this. Imagine that there was an epidemic in the world that people around us were dying of this disease. They're infected with it. Because of that, they're dying. And it's not just people over some distant place like Haiti where we can kind of distance or no, no, no. These are people around us. These are our next door neighbors. These are people in our schools, students. These are people in our jobs. These are people at our gyms. These are people we know that are infected with this disease and they're going to die. 
and we've got the cure and, and we don't share it with them like we all, we all understand like that's, that's criminal like that's just wrong you, you would never do that if you've got the cure like you're going to share that cure right and yet sometimes we don't share this good news even though it's the cure for a broken hurting dying lost world we got we to gotta realize this we got to live in a way where we're, we're trying to get this out there to other people. We're looking for opportunities to live a life in such a way that there are people that have a chance of going to heaven because of us. We can't, we, you can't convert them, but you can be a person who gives them a chance. That's what we got to do. And that's why we do a lot of things that we do here, because of the chance. Because there's a chance. So we print cards and we put them out in the lobby and we invite you to grab them and take them with you into your workplaces and into your schools and into your gyms and have them with you to share. Why? Because there's a chance. There's a chance. That's why we we do special services where we bring in the thunder drummers and we have food trucks and we pay money to do all that because people might not come to just a normal service, but they might come to that. And if they come to that and they're lost, there's a chance. There's a chance. And this is why we invite you to be a person who says there's a chance. I'm going to be a person that God can use. We're disciples. That's what God's called us to be, to make disciples, to be disciples, to be people who are developing and working to help other people develop into disciples God's called them to be. And listen, there's benefits to it for us. I was thinking about this this morning through these, through these things, as we do these things, there's, there's four F's that we can experience. There's the favor of God. God wants to give you favor. There's the freedom of God that God wants you to experience. There's the fruit of God that God wants to have in your life in such a way that people see your life and they're like, man, that's what I'm, that, I need what you have. And there's the fellowship with God and with other believers. This is four benefits to being the disciple God's called you to be. So, so here's what I want you to see this morning. This is what it means to be a disciple. And this is why we do what we do. And so here's the thing. If you're... We're called to do this. Like this isn't, it's an option, yes, it's an if, but, but this is who Jesus wants us to be. And so here's what I want you to see in all this. This is why we do what we do. If you will buy into what we're doing here at New Song Church, you will develop as a disciple. So my invitation to you is to buy in. When we talk about groups, we're not just trying to have groups because groups are cool. No, no, no. Like we want you to be connected in community. We talk about serving. We're not just trying to get more work done around here. Yes, that's part of it, but we want you to become who God's called you to be, and we understand that's only going to happen if you're serving. When we, when we talk about these things, when we talk in the new year, we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. We're going to have a devotional. We're going to invite you to be a part of that. What if you really did it this year? Like, what if you really chose to do it and, and buy into it, and you really fasted, like something that costs you a little bit, Right? And you really spent that 21 days seeking God. And, and what if you got in a group? Like, I'm not telling you you have to be in every group. I'm, don't do that. That's dumb. But get into one group. Be in some kind of a group. Have some form of community here. Come to worship nights. Go to equipping classes and develop in the things of God. Take these steps. I'm tell, here's, what I, here's a promise I'll make to you, okay? I promise you. If you'll do these things, if you'll choose, if you'll make a decision today to say, okay, for the next year of my life, I'm going to buy in and I'm going to do what the church tells me to do. I'm going to do what Pastor Josh tells me to do. I see that he's trying to develop me as a disciple. I'm going to buy in. 
If you do this, I promise you, a year from now, you're going to come to me and you're going to say, thank you. My life is completely different. And I could go around this room and I could tell you story after story of people who have taken this approach in this church and it has completely turned their life around. Why? Because this is God's word. This is who he's called you to be. He's called you to be a disciple. So I encourage you, church, let's buy in. Let's push our chips to the middle of the table and let's do this thing together. And we're not only going to become the disciples God's going to called us to be, but we're going to help other people become the disciples God's called them to be too. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've made available to each and every one of us. Praise you for your goodness and your, your grace. Thank you that we can have a relationship with you, and that we can follow you, and we can be led by you, and we can develop into who it is you've called us to be because of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much. With your head bowed, eye closed, I just encourage you to take a moment here. This is a moment in service where we just kind of allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. So here's my question for you. I ask this question every week. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Another way of saying that if you're new to church is what are you thinking right now? And I'm guessing that God's probably talking to you a little bit and he's telling you. And I'm, and I'm guessing one of the things he's saying to you is he's encouraging you in an area that maybe you haven't bought in with yet. Maybe you haven't bought into worship. Maybe you haven't bought into serving. Maybe you haven't bought into groups yet. I want to encourage you to take a step. Take a step and take a step immediately. Take a, Make a decision. I'm going to step into this. I'm going to step into the fullness of what God has for me. I want to be who God called me to be. I want to, I want to complete the work that Jesus has called to do in my life. Lord, I pray for all these people in this room that you're working on their hearts. You're working with them. I pray that you would help them over the next few days to step into the role that you have for them in this church. And I pray that as they do, God, they're going to find life in it. Relationship life, life with you, life in your word, life in worship, life. You're going to produce life in them that changes them and changes the world around them. Thank you, Jesus, for it. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you would say today that you don't really know how you, where you stand with God. Maybe you kind of lived a life where you've gone to church, but you've never really bought in. And you kind of had, you know, one foot in the world and one foot in the church, and you've been kind of living life that way. And you feel like today God's calling you to something deeper, calling you to go all in. If you're here today and you don't know that you're right with God, you're not sure what your relationship looks like with God, I'd love to pray with you today. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that he died on the cross, that we can be saved, that God wants to give you salvation today. And it's a simple prayer. We can pray together. We'll all pray it together as a church. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird. I promise you that. I just want to, I just want to help you to take this step into the greatest thing that God has ever done for us. So if that's you today, uh, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just between me and you and God, would you just lift your hand up where I can see it? Just lift it up where I can see it real quick. There you go. I see that hand. Anybody else? You got, you want to, I see that hand. You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You can put it back down once you raise it up. That's you today. I say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Just slip your hand up. You can slip it right back down after you put it up. I want to surrender my life. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I don't, I'm not looking for you to just be my savior. I'm, I'm giving you Lordship today. If you want to make that decision, just lift up your hand real quick. You can put it up, put it right back down. We'd love to pray with you this morning. I see that hand. Awesome. All right church, let's pray this prayer together because we're all in agreement. And those of you who lifted your hands, say this with me. And a miracle, man, a miracle is about to take place. You're going to be born again. 
Your old dead self is going to be made alive in Jesus Christ. This is the greatest miracle. You are, you are, you've been bought with a price and now you're going to step out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You may not feel anything in your body or anything like that, but just know this, a miracle took place by faith inside of you. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from my unrighteousness. I make you Lord and you are my Savior. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's celebrate. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.